Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you, Reverends Jeff and Jenna, for asking me to be a part of your community again. I just want to linger a little bit longer in that song and that reading. It is Earth Day. It is the season that we think about what this means. And I don't think we could do better than the song we just heard and the two poetic heights of our scriptural tradition. So let's take just a second longer and sit and pause in the silence of the wonder of that. Amen. So <clears throat> I want to keep my thoughts pretty brief today. And not because, since I'm a guest, I have any particular concern about going too long or making you sit too long, but mostly because these are our texts, Genesis 1 and John 1. So I sat with these texts for a long time as I was getting ready to prepare my sermon, and not only are these some of the most precious texts that we have in our tradition, but my brief remarks somehow arise from where I am right now and what I need right now, which seems to be I'm having a lot of trouble accessing joy, sustained, life-giving joy in my life because I'm worried about the health of the planet, and I'm worried about the well-being and safety of friends and family and strangers near and far. So I actually thought maybe we could just find a little joy in these two texts, something to give us a little bit more energy for the fight. So we're going to do that in two pieces, two images, two streams of thought that unite in this one river of sustained joy. So the first is from Genesis 1. Genesis 1 gives us this macrocosmic God who loves the earth. This is the creating God. What I quite like about this text is the God who I can picture at work here. I quite like this image of a God who is as delighted, as intrigued by the slow formation of crystalline stones under pressure, the slow movement of water, as any of our most avid scientists. I love this image of a God who has patience and delight in every single aspect of the created universe on an evolutionary scale. Somehow, right along the way, as this universe is exploding into being, and who knows, maybe an infinite number of universes too, God is there. But not just as an artist standing back to admire their handiwork, but an actual participant in what is coming into being, intrigued by every aspect of it. No artist creates out of boredom or desperation, but rather out of an abundance, an overflow of creative expression and the need to share. The theologian Marjorie Suhaki talks of God as the divine lure. 
And you sort of see that here in Genesis. All the building blocks of literally life itself, from motion and strange attraction to lava and asteroids and trees and radiation and polar bears. The creation not just of the universe and our little planet, but the seeds of everything that it will become, maybe long after we're gone. God has never tired of any part, no matter how big or small, of God's creation. Never growing bored or just biding time till the good part comes along. It's all the good part to the creating God. God has been present and active and interested in everything. So when we say that God loves the earth, that God takes an active interest, not just in our lives, but in the lives of every single creature here and every single detail of the creation that surrounds us, what a marvel and a joy that is. Because I want a love that defies comprehension. I want a love so vast in scope, so grand, so massive in scale, it takes an entire universe to tell it. That's what I want, and that's who we find in Genesis 1. A divine being so complex and creatively expressive that to even begin to tell how God cares for all that God has created takes a billion galaxies and the microscopic intricacies of your own body. Genesis 1 is the story of the creating God who is there with us as we discover and delight in and protect the earth on which we live as God's self does. This other image, this other stream of thought, this river contribution is in John 1, which shows us the God who loves the world. In the shorthand, which seems to have developed, if you think about it a little bit, over time and language, the earth is the physical, and the world is the social. The earth has come to mean the biosystem, plants and animals and stones, and maybe humans, if we're trying as we are right now to remember how interconnected we all are. And the world stands for what we have made of ourselves, if you will, our family units and nations, our art and our music, our heartening successes and our terrible failures, all the ways that we have combined and divided ourselves. John 1 tells how this creating God, this God who loves us and the rest of the universe beyond our full comprehension, came to this very earth as the divine presence of Christ in the world. That is part of the wonder of Jesus' life and ministry, that he came, as it says in the Gospel of Luke, to seek and to save that which was lost. And I believe it's fair to say, in our own individual journeys, you are sure of something that has gotten lost along the way. At least temporarily. Your direction, your sense of purpose, patience, compassion. What I love about Jesus' life and ministry is exactly this. Seeking and saving that which was lost, equal time paid, to the natural world, out in the desert, walking on water, and the human world, 
urban cities, wells, meeting places. The entire record we have of Jesus' words and deeds is how he worked to save the world from itself to restore all those things which had been lost. Each miracle, each teaching, each conversation was God specifically interacting with the world and not just as some grand socio-political system that's bigger than all of us little cogs that can't really contribute, right? But people, actual people, individuals with their own entire story, their own history and feelings and hopes and desires, Jesus paid the kind of attention to his followers that we long for someone who really hears what we're saying and delights in our existence and delights in what we offer to the communities of which we are a part. It was this immense divine being who we see in galactic-sized terms in Genesis 1, creating the earth, creating the entire universe, brought right down to humanity demonstrating care and knowledge and interest for each one of us. Nothing about God is divided, and that includes the aspects of God's character that we see in Genesis and in John. And that's where I find this river of sustained joy. In Genesis, we see the universe described as the outflowing of God's intense love and expression, each aspect of it very good. And in John, we see Christ, that macrocosmic love brought to bear where it is needed most, with us, with the ones who have free will, who fail as often as we succeed. We have the natural earth and the social world, and God is active in both and unites them in Christ. It is Christ that draws them together. It's why the earth cried out in pain at the moment of his death. It's why the prophets tell us the hills will sing for joy and the trees raise their arms in praise at the sight of the Messiah once more. It's why Jesus called us to be followers of a better path and then showed us how to walk it through every living breath he took. Christ draws these grand arcs of a story together reminding us how deeply God has woven the world into God's very self, calling us to seek after truth, to challenge preconceived notions of community, and remember our way back to God's presence. It's the love we believe that Jesus most clearly embodied that reminds us how deeply organic we are, how beloved is the body and the breath of the created earth of which we are a part. And it's the same love that keeps us united to the world, this world of humans and our responsibilities, our mutual protracted, confusing, brief and wondrous journey together. It is that Christ love that he showed us, which encourages us not just to persevere in our own lives and struggles, comforted and supported by the love of God that we see not only in our own lives, but in the world around us and in the earth around us, but to reach out, to fling open the doors of our own heart, of our church, of our home, 
and say, there is a God who has loved every facet of creation since time itself began. God so loves the earth, and God so loves the world, that God gave us the Christ. That kind of love, that kind of love that we're seeking, can change your heart, can change the direction of your life, and can even change the world. Thanks be to God.